You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, and welcome to the third installment of our Best of Compilation. And to clarify what that means and what this series is, if you're joining in the middle, every week during the season, the Kist and Solak show is on reaction duty for the Eagles game that just happened. Most of the time, it's me and Ben. Sometimes it's me and BLG, as you'll hear in the first segment of this show. But for the most part, it's the KNS recapping the game that just happened and for the 2019 season we are doing a best of compilation for those shows to relive the season and revisit the takes and see how we were feeling at the time on a week-by-week basis what our concerns were what we liked all that stuff so if you're joining in the middle i would encourage you to go back and listen to the compilations of weeks one through four and weeks five through eight this third installment deals with weeks nine through twelve which also has a buy in there. So what you're getting is the Eagles win over the Bears and their losses to the Patriots and the Seahawks. The next installment will cover weeks 13 through 16. And the final installment will cover week 17 and the wildcard game. So again, this show right here is weeks 9 through 12. The best of the Kiston Solak show 2019 Eagles recap shows. First up is my chat with BLG about the Eagles win over the Bears. So let's go to that right now. Week 9. Philadelphia 22, Chicago 14. Michael Kist, and I am somewhat filling in for Jimmy Kemsky. I blame Benjamin Solak, though, as he wasn't available for the normal Kist and Solak recap show. So joining me today is the supreme leader of BGN, may he forever reign, Brandon Lee Galton. Brandon, a win is a win, but this wasn't pretty, nor was it all that impressive. But it's hard to feel too negative about two straight wins and five and four headed into the bye, considering how the season has gone. How you doing, brother? How you feeling about this? Yeah, Mike, like, look, the Eagles won a game today. Uh, that did happen. They're five and four. And that's pretty important because going into this game that you and Solak, I believe, talked about how the Eagles Bears game was kind of the highest, at least in terms of the Eagles, in terms of playoff leverage. Their their playoff odds went up by like 23% by ESPN's playoff probability leverage uh, metric tracker analytic thing, whatever you want to call it. So it was an important win for sure. But kind of like going back to last week against the Bills, it kind of just makes me think, okay, they won and that's good. But like, how sustainable is this? Like, <laughs> can they continue to win like this? Because yeah. they're not going to be playing Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky every week. The, the Bears basically had negative yardage until very late in the first half. Seemed very unthreatening. But of course, as is often the case with the Eagles defense, they bust twice on two different drives and suddenly it's a 19 to 14 game and they have to wake up. After that, you have drives from the Eagles of six plays, three plays, three plays, five plays. They look a little stale before finally 
executing a backbreaker of a drive of 16 plays, 69 nice yards, 8 minutes and 14 seconds come off the clock. The Eagles had over 40 minutes of possession in this game, which would end up being big for them. The Eagles were never not in control in this game. They didn't need some crazy red zone stand or big time stop on a key third or fourth down, but it had the feeling of why are they letting a bad Bears team, and it's my belief that it's a bad Bears team, and look, credit to their defense. They're a very good unit. And we knew things wouldn't be easy against them. But the Eagles just seemed incapable of putting this game away when it felt like they could have earlier until it got you know too close for comfort. And it felt like a 2018 win against a subpar team. So while a win is a win and that's all milk and cookies, I don't know if it changes the level of concern that I have about this team as they prepare to play the Patriots and the Seahawks. There was hope coming into this game you know, that Deshaun was going to come back and, and fix some of that. Although, you know, I I was trying to like temper some of that myself mm. for my own expectations because, you know, he's coming off this injury. He was limited in practice all week. Like we don't know how close to 100% he was. Sure enough, he plays a drive today and he's out the whole game after that. I asked Doug Peterson about that after the game, like what the plan was for Deshaun. And he said the plan was to have Deshaun play the whole game. Because if Deshaun's not in there, Mike, let me tell you, these Eagles receivers, they're not good. Uh. There's problems here. Alshon Jeffrey, four for 36 today. He had three drive-ending drops. The last one was just especially just uh, infuriating. Uh, Nelson Aguilar actually made a couple of tough catches today, I thought. But they were, you know, they were short ones. Anytime he's targeted down the field, it's just like a waste of a play. And let me be clear. I don't think this is Carson Wentz's best game. I think he missed a lot of throws. But then on the, you know, the plays where he's not missing them, then his receivers just can't even make them. <laughs> like Aguilar either can't track the ball or he just doesn't like get in a good position to make a contested catch. It's just not like in his repertoire really. And he only had three for 21 anyway. JJ Arthur Whiteside played more today. He was on the field out there, but I don't even think he saw a target. Matt Collins, again, another game without a catch and not even a target. And I saw a stat floating out there that Matt Collins has more penalty yards than he has receiving yards this year. 126 penalty penalty yards against 125 receiving (laughs) yards. And Deshaun Jackson continues to build on his lead, even though he only had one catch and five yards up against Matt Collins. It's crazy, dude. It was not Wentz's best game, but when it came down to it, he was able to convert in those situations, make good decisions with the ball, make plays on his own to be able to make that happen. But it shouldn't have to come down to that every time. They shouldn't have to grind out every single drive. And it's great that the running game is going because that's that's a big plus for them, keeping them out of, you know, bad situations as an offense. Jordan Howard, 19 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown looked great. Miles Sanders, I felt, looked better as an inside runner on some downhill concepts, 10 carries for 42 yards. The two biggest throws for Trubisky on the year were coverage busts. Malcolm Jenkins wants to play robber when he's got deep zone and leaves you know Jalen Mills hanging out to dry on the big uh, Taylor Gabriel catch. And then you've got the bus route by David Montgomery. There was no one in the same area code as him. So there's still concerning things. You get some of the worst quarterback play that you've seen this year, and it's still almost a game. And that's what, that's what really worries me. And again, not to take anything away from the Bears defense, but they're going to have to be able to put up more points. And I don't know what that looks like for this offense. Are they a tomato can crusher with severe flaws or are they a unit capable of getting right in the second half of the season because I'm leaning towards the tomato can. It's hard to get inspired when it's the abysmal Mitch Trubisky on the other side of it who for most of the game looked just as bad as Luke Falk. I think there's some hope for the defense. I I do believe the pass rush is starting to come on a little bit. Like mm-hmm. Fletcher Cox early in this game like oh my yeah. gosh, like he, <laughs> he he was wrecking the game early on he almost kept him to negative nine yards in the first half (laughs) before 
Uh, Trubisky had a scramble, and then Sandejo, who should not be on this team, by the way, by next Saturday. I want to give Avante Maddox a shout-out for making a big play, yeah. uh, kind of, I think, an underrated play late in the game there when, you know, the Bears get the ball back. They're only down five points, and they have a chance to, you know, go and, you know, take the lead. Avante Maddox comes up with a big pass breakup on third and nine and forces the Bears to punt, and then they never touch the ball again. The thing, one of the biggest things that frustrates me, and I've, I've said it, a billion times by now. Like this team just isn't fun. Like, are you having fun, Mike? Is anyone having fun out there? Because if you if you are, great. But like, I feel like you're lying because it just takes so much work to actually score, and like, there's no explosive element. It's just like a chore. It's a burden. It's it's not fun. Remember when they just beat the brakes off of the Bears two years ago, back in 2017? Like yes. that was a fun game. That, that and that's was fun. A, it's the same level of quarterback play that you saw today. <laughs> it's just, and they were a good defense then too. They were they were sneaky good against some teams this that that year. I feel like that that team might be as good as this Bears team. So I don't see any reason why the Eagles couldn't do more. And you're right. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching the game with my son as I do every Sunday. And it's 12 nothing. And we're just sitting there going, "This is a boring game. There's not. There's nothing boring. wrong. Yeah. And it's fine that you're in control, but you also let them crawl back into the game. That's where the real problem is. So I think this is a good Doug game. It's just like maybe not the whole thing. Um, just off the top of my head here, like I thought he made some pretty critical calls. Like that last drive, especially to ice the game. Uh, there was that throw to Ertz for the first down. There was the screen to Goddard. Like it just felt like Doug Peterson like really uh, schemed some things up nicely in this game to help give his team an edge. Unlike the coward Matt Nagy, who punted <laughs> the ball on what the, the forty-three? I think it was the uh, the was, Eagles forty-three. It was fourth and six on the Eagles forty-four, and they were down nineteen to seven. You coward, Alshon Jeffrey looks mm. washed, and I have been a big and you know this BLG. I mean, I got on my soapbox last year and everything, put a full, you know, transparent scouting report, how I graded him, everything like that. I've done that for him in the last two years. I did it for him for the Scouting Academy when I was there as well. So I've done three updated scouting reports on Alshon Jeffrey. I'm very familiar with his game. He looks washed to me, man. Like, or he's still really dealing with an injury. But then he also got banged up after he got that third down conversion uh, after making good after the drop from the previous drive. So if he's just going to be banged up on year, that's a, that's another reason towards not wanting to restructures contract to make it harder to get out of because this guy and as tough as he was and as much credit as I'll give him for the 2017 season playing through the torn rotator cuff I, I cannot thank him enough for that contribution to the team but that was another injury season for him that was another knock on him this guy has a long injury list and if he can't be you know 80 percent or if this is what his 80 percent looks like man that's bad it's just bad news for this group overall and I know we keep pounding the table on it but it's like the most concerning thing about this offense right now. It is, that is the most perplexing move of Howie Roseman's offseason. The whole reason that the J-Jaw pick made sense within the <laughs> within the construct of the offense and moving forward, the, the you know, the future vision. And I argued about this saying, don't, don't worry about J.J.'s fit because this is how it makes sense long term. They completely wiped that out by doing the restructure. I don't get it. And what leverage did Alshon have? What's <laughs> no, he going to do? Like none. sit out? I, I feel like ideally none of these receivers on the team except <laughs> – it, let's say if Deshaun can actually get healthy and mm -hmm. he is the same player and can stay healthy mm -hmm. and JJ Arthur gets white side because you picked him with a second round pick like none of uh, these other guys ideally should be on the team next year Ryan Jones also chimed in at Ryan Jones 0805 says what happened to Alshon brother I don't know and I don't know what happened to Nelson Aguilar either. He's on a prove-it year, on a contract year. And this is this is the type of effort that we're getting from this guy. The guy was targeted two times down the field. 
On the first one, he was more concerned with trying to get an OPI. On the second one, doesn't go up and make a play. I look over on red zone and I see Sammy Watkins making the same play. Cap coverage makes the same stinking play. Uh, some issues I feel like you can get by. You know what I mean? Like if you have subpar linebackers, like the Eagles do, for example. Like I think that's something you can kind of work around. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to be stacked every position. I don't know how you work around not having a good passing attack in the year 2019. Like that seems kind of like a big issue, deal breaker kind of issue. Well, I mean, look at how the Patriots are probably going to scheme up the Eagles and the Patriots have a top <laughs> shelf defense right now. They're going to take away what you're good at. If the Eagles are only good at one thing, that's a problem. And that's going to show up big time in a big time game, right? Week 11, New England 17, Philadelphia 10. Close game, probably closer than it should have been. I felt like the uh, it, it was never really that much in doubt for the Patriots until the very end. And there's a lot to unpack here. There's going to be a lot of, of, of opinions about it, Ben. Wentz misses a couple throws. Absolutely. Deserves criticism for it. I get it. Fourth down. Patriots come with a blitz. He puts it up to Nelson Aguilar, who has forever to track this thing. Aguilar puts himself in a weird situation where he's got to bend completely backwards to try to bring this thing in. Does not. Eagles lose. I mean, it's as, it's as simple as that. It, it's, <laughs> and it's going to be made to be much more complicated yeah. than it is. But it really is that simple. Ben, how you doing, brother? I'm at like, and you can talk a lot about the context that leads up to these plays. And we did against the Atlanta game. The Atlanta game. We did in the Detroit game. When we're going to do the very same for this Patriots game here. But the reality is that three plays swing three, potentially three games. The The Patriots game is obviously tying the game. A quick note on the Nelson Aguilar pass. Mm. Mike said he had a ton of time to reel it in. He did. He had a ton of time to track it. He did. If you're saying this is a, you know, he would have been an amazing, very tough catch. Understand that Carson threw this ball before Aguilar had even cleared the defender because Early, of the yep. zero blitz, because of yeah. the zero blitz. And yet Nelson Aguilar put himself in a position to make the catch more difficult than it had to be, and then subsequently was not able to make a difficult catch, which was still makeable. He says, quote, Nelson Aguilar said he felt like he tracked the fourth down strike to the end zone well, but when he hit the ground the ball came loose. Brother, you didn't have you, the ball. Uh, my, my my sweet angel. <laughs> love of my life. My you darling. The ball when you hit the ground. My darling, if you, you flipped the other way, you know what I hit the ground first would have been your feet. Yeah. Which is how you stand. Ball. It's not hard to tell watching a team if the quarterback's the problem. Is Carson Wentz the problem? And Carson didn't play well. Didn't play a good football game. Yeah, let's let's say that again so everyone understands that we're not making excuses for Carson Wentz. I was I was saying Carson wasn't playing a good game at like the second quarter and people were right. very upset with me. Right. Oh, and this I agree. Is when we were we were leading. Mm-hmm. Carson didn't play a good football game. He's also not the problem with the offense. The problem with the offense is the weapons. You know, in terms of calibrating expectation, we, I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't mean to say it this way, but, like, we told you it wasn't going to be a good Carson game. And, <laughs> and everyone <it> was shocked. <laughs> and yeah. it would have it been nice if it had been. That would have been cool, but it did not seem likely. And the reason it didn't seem likely is because, number one, this is a very, very good defense, and it's hard for quarterbacks to look good against the Patriots defense just period I mean this is Lamar Jackson looked good against Patriots it's about it right if you if you go and you look back at the rest of the team the rest of the quarterbacks that have performed well against the New England Patriots defense so far this year I mean max passing is 276 yards which was Ben Roethlisberger in week one after that Carson is now the second most passing yards against this Patriots defense 
I mean, this is basically what we expected. And I think that's because me and you have calibrated our expectations to a realistic level. We're not out here waving a Wentz flag going, he's elite. He should be in the MVP conversation. We're not. I mean, that's just the reality of the season. We're also not saying that Carson Wentz is the problem of this offense. I mean, people were telling me throughout the game, Carson's holding on to the ball too long. And look, on the strip sack where he fumbled, absolutely. He's got, he's got, he's got to get his eyes to the backside. I think you tweeted about it. Once he sees that mic drop yeah. and, and, and whatnot, he's got to get his eyes to the backside. He's either got to get it out or he's got to protect the ball. He did he did neither. I don't know what he was pump faking out there. Right. That was and, a bad decision. Right. And the thing is, like, the bad Carson plays, that that fumble, the third down miss to Ertz, yeah. are so easy to find because he's the only good player on the daggum field. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to see when he doesn't do a good job. It's because... He's the one who's been keeping the offense looking like what it's been like, barely salvageable, for the whole game. Miles Sanders had only four touches of his total 13 come in the second half. And we thought this had to be a a running game for the Eagles, yeah. And I called out multiple times on Twitter during the game, you know, I I feel like Sanders is probably your best playmaker right now. Like, I get the whole target Ertz thing, but he's getting exactly what's thrown to him, and that's it. Sanders has the ability to give you the explosive play that I think you're really missing right now. They They were... heavily targeting the flats the same way they were on the 16 play drive the play calling stayed very much the same the defense didn't because the defense had no fear of anything going deep and that's what the nature of this eagles offense is and like this is why we can tie everything back to like when you cannot stretch the field on third and five carson's trying to hit a window as the size of the football to a diving nelson aguilar on an eight yard slam because you don't have alshon jeffrey to throw it to you don't have Deshaun jackson take the top off the defense and run a 12 yard crosser because the safeties are buzzing so you're trying to hit that small window defender makes a great play and everybody's furious at aguilar for dropping the ball and furious carson for doing that furious with the play calling for not being cool enough defender made a good play but this is what the eagles offense has been for weeks uh, chicago was two weeks ago yeah before chicago great opening script right everybody was really excited oh the play calling looks good it was the exact same john that they got in the 16 play drive 95 yards nine and a half minutes this took and it's flat and it's box counts it's package plays it's 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 pre-snap rpos it's i'm gonna count the numbers i'm gonna put the ball where it's supposed to be and we're gonna have guys win one-on-one matchups or guys win in limited space we're gonna stay ahead of the six so there you go right it's just small positive chunk gains small positive chunk gains small positive chunk gains that's how they tried to continue to win through the entire game on offense. And people were asking, why is the play calling changed? It hasn't. It's just really hard to put together a 16-play drive when you're not going to throw the ball far down the field, when it's going to be screens, hitches, and slants. To talk about the defense in, in what was a surprisingly decent performance, and, and really, if they had hands, if let me rephrase that, if they did not have butts for hands, <laughs> they might have had about four interceptions on Tom Brady, who from the beginning... It's one of the worst games I've seen Brady play in a hot second. Other than the Buffalo game way back, remember we talked about the blueprint for the Buffalo game saying, you know, he was confused and the receivers were confused and so on and so forth, and he was yeah. a little bit scattershot with his accuracy. He kind of looked the same in this game. He wasn't good He's, in this game the, from the, early the on. The Brady placement is not there. The Brady pocket right. movement was not there. And then the receivers aren't what they used to be. And obviously... Yeah. They much have the same problem that the Philadelphia Eagles do, which is who's stretching the field for them? How are they getting downfield, right? Both defense, both offenses really unable to do so. Well, what were the Patriots able to do such that they were able to score 17 points? Well, number one, get a short field. Helps a lot. You have a, a one-yard drive that gives you three points. So the one turnover drastically changes the perspective of the game. And then when they come out on the 
opening drive, they get a couple of good plays, get a couple of good swing plays, kind of catch the Eagles a little bit sleepy out of the half. And then it's the, uh, whatever it's called, the, the, the Philip Dorsett trick play pass to Julian Edelman. Oh, Lord God. almighty. Did you see the coverage? <laughs> it was inverted cover two. People were putting that on McLeod. Invert two, baby, at the 15. So two things on that. Can't get beat on invert two from the 15. It's too close to the end line. Genius. Right. Big G, big brain play calling. So McLeod flies up. Darby has nothing holding him on the backside. He just stops and lets Dorsett go across the formation. I've never been so emotional in my entire life. There was no <laughs> other active receiver to that side. I was losing right. my mind. So, and again, it comes down to why can't you just run with him? That was like the big play against the Bears where right. it was only Taylor Gabriel running down the field and Jenkins is holding the middle of the field right. for like, no, re- just run with the guy. Darby, just run with the guy. Firstly, And Douglas has got to respond to like what looks like a right. screen. I get that. Pre-snap to not acknowledge and recognize that there's only one receiver to your side. Yeah. So you should probably follow him wherever he goes. Is right. amazing, right? Bonkers. But then, How do they coach this difference? Right. But then it's an in-breaker in the red zone. Right. And, and, and whatever his name is, Jenkins is robbing underneath. Where McLeod is the one that's got like the deep hook or whatever. Right. So this is it. not even right, but this is this is not even a route in which you would not follow it in the first right. place. I agree. Because he, there's literally like, for underneath crossers. This is a deep right. route. This is breaking at the goal line. And then to not like experience the play live, like that's a wide receiver screen. So Sewell is not gonna be gaining depth because he's gonna be trying to go tackle the guy. And to just stay there in the back half of the end zone, it's just like it's just delightful. Yeah. Uh, they also had on a couple of the the third downs that the Patriots were converting there in the first half. They had cover one man press, which yeah. like we've been asking for, and I get it, and I was happy to see it. But also like, <sighs> I don't love telling Brady like, "Hey, Julian Edelman's gonna be one on one with somebody if you want it. Mohamed yeah. is gonna be one on one with somebody if you want it." But generally speaking. Dropped interceptions aside, good game Mills, good game Darby, good game Maddox. Corners probably played one of their, their best games as a collective group this year. 31% on third down to, to New England, you know, not that bad. But overall, yeah, I mean, encouraging from the defense, even though it was a bad game from Brady, it was also partly a bad game because the Eagles were able to get pressure on Brady and move him off the spot, make him uncomfortable. He never really was able to get into a big time rhythm in this game. So overall, I mean, that's, that's an encouraging thing to me because we were severely worried about this defense and Jalen Mills finally finds himself somebody that can he can run step for step with congrats on staying step for step with 38 year old tight end Ben Watson that was great the difference between pocket management and escapability I tweeted uh, during the game I believe it was after Carson Wentz ran into a third down sack uh the Carson's a bad pocket manager and that's okay you don't need to be a good pocket manager to be a good quarterback I also tweeted that Carson this was one of his farviest games and it was yeah and Bad pocket management is is a hallmark of Favre. Yeah. Uh, so you don't need to be a good pocket manager to be a good quarterback, uh, but Carson's a bad pocket manager, and we should acknowledge that. Carson regularly breaks the pocket, scrambles, makes incredible plays, picks up yards with his feet. He breaks tackles inside the pocket against 300-pound players he should not be breaking. What a tremendous joy that is to watch, and it's a great skill. It is escapability. It is when Carson drops his eyes, relinquishes his throwing base, tucks the ball, and plans on getting outside of the quarterback to either reset the play or to just go pick up yardage with his legs. Escapability. Mm. Pocket management is far more subtle and is far less predicated on athleticism. 
Pocket management is the ability to move within the pocket because not all, not two pockets are the same. Pockets are always slightly different every single time. And to move within the pocket, to naturally gravitate towards space, to keep your feet in rhythm with the route concepts, to help offensive linemen generate the correct angle against a blocker. Think about it this way. You go to block your 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 for your quarterback. You expect him to be at a certain set point, you know, five yards uh, behind me, two yards to my left, to the left of my inside hip. And then you go and you block your guy and he starts to get outside of you, right? Well, you're still blocking for that magic set point, but you can't see eyes in the back of your head. So if your quarterback who sees that you're starting to lose to the outside a little bit, well, he can adjust his set point so to put you, the offensive lineman, between the rusher and him. So it's helping your pass protection with subtle pocket movements. This is pocket management. Carson struggles with pocket management. He likes to leave his feet uh, cemented to the ground, stapled to the floor. He likes to hang tight, tall, strong in the pocket, sit there with his rocket arm, wait for things to uncover. He, he tends to bird dog reads. We've known this since his North Dakota State days. That's what leads to sacks and fumbles like the Demarcus Lawrence one in the first game against the Cowboys, like the one today, like the third down sack that he ran into. He could do a lot more in terms of unstapling his feet, resetting within the pocket, never tucking, never taking his eyes down, but moving within the pocket to pre- prevent pressures, to prevent sacks, and to extend his, his longevity in the pocket so that he can make the passes that he wants to make. Carson Wentz is a good escaper. He is a bad pocket manager. This is not new. This is not terrible news. It's not good news, but it's not terrible news. And it is not prohibitive to to him having a long, successful, Hall of Fame caliber career. Just something we should note. And we should understand as as a nuance of quarterback evaluation when when we watch him play. Other notes that I wanted to say, I did like a fair bit of what Jim Schwartz did. Like I said, press coverage at the line was nice. There was a lot more split field on the first couple drives, which were two uh, scoreless drives for for the Patriots than we've typically seen, which I thought was really, really good. Uh, And also uh, five-man fronts. So uh, using Anthony Rush as a nose tackle, zero Mm. technique as a big fella. I like that a lot. Two, three techs. And then as Roma was pointing out, they had the wide nine rushes, but they'd also have stand up Sams on the outside, which was a really good way to generate a hard edge against the outside runs the Patriots were trying to execute. Five man surface and then two linebackers back. They did a great job stopping the run out of that in the first half. They started to die out in the second half. But as we noticed, they were really on the field for a long time in that second half. And it's not surprising that that all the defense started to give a little bit. Big V was prohibitively bad. Something that we should know is that sometimes Big V is workable, um, but Big V is a right tackle instead of a left tackle. Not getting much help, especially once Dillard went in and coming off the bench cold was an issue. Was not good. Without mm. whatever the opposite of good is, is what this was. At E Creator mm. Forever is his username. Or listener. Doge is his Abby. His bio says Puritans be gone. <laughs> anyway, he says, incinerate Nelson Aguilar. Next one, in his hands, all caps. Next one, dropping babies again. Next one, all caps, nine mil per. And then the fifth one, the real curveball. Good play, JJ. Wasn't <laughs> ready for that, TBH. Yeah. Thought we were going to do another Aguilar-related tweet. By the way, we are not going to read all five of your responses to three words. You have one three-word yeah, submission right. to make. That's not allowed, but also it was funny. Jordan Matthews had six targets, one reception for six yards. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar I'm had. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> he had Jordan one had yard six per targets, target. One reception for six yards. One yard per target. He had the one where went threw it up to him. Matthews had all, every chance in the world to it's go just, up and make it's the a, play. It's it's as yeah. the kids say, a catch you'd like to see him make. At Shrike Lightning says Eagles done now. Man, no. Uh, Let's do this. Fire Ken Flajoli. <laughs> 
the linebackers coach. Is anybody going to miss him if he's gone? Is his family going to go looking for him? I don't think so. Does he have a family? (laughs) I'm not sure. That wasn't nice. Fire Carson Walsh. Fire Carson Walsh. I'm in on Fire Carson Walsh. I'm there. So we found somebody to fire. I hope everyone's happy. At Bevan Abraham, loyal listener, says fake sleeve season. Apparently there was a lot of confusion over whether Carson Wentz over the bye week got a full arm sleeve tattoo. (laughs) The second I saw it, I was like, ah, Carson took military appreciation month as I get to wear all my hunting gear on the field. Do you see his post-game outfit? No. Black turtleneck, camo blazer. (sighs) This is why we're not winning football games, Mike. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Week 12, Seattle 17, Philadelphia 9. What in the hell did we just witness, Ben? Some bad football. That was some of the worst, most confusing football that I have seen in a long time. This was a one-score game. By the way, Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Kiss and Solak Show, episode 150. Eagles lose 17-9 to in the weirdest score for the way that the game played out because that does not feel like a one-score game. Carson Wentz was terrible. The pieces around him were terrible. And even when Carson did get in a, in a mini flow just for a second, some boneheaded decision by the coaching staff or a fumble by somebody else completely derails what they had going on. And that's not to excuse Carson. Like I said, Carson was terrible. Probably his right. worst game that I can remember as a pro, maybe going back to the Cincinnati game from his rookie year. Because even in Carson's bad games, he hasn't turned it over like this and looked this terrible. Well, what is concerning is what's been concerning since the rookie year, since 2017, which we didn't want to talk about in 2017. And everybody who's all up in a tizzy about how bad Carson is and how bad the offense is and how you can't blame the receivers. Well, in 2017, when we were hawking this dude as MVP because he was putting up gaudy numbers, he was winning football games. I'm here to tell you, he wasn't moving his feet in the pocket. Yeah. He was unsafe with the football mm-hmm. when he was when like i always i always remember that washington scramble right where he like disappears inside the pocket for a second and then he bursts out and he converts on third and ten it's just a bad play he just should have gotten out of the pocket but he didn't and then he survived and he makes a spectacular play but like from a a personnel evaluation from a pro, a, a decision making standpoint it's a bad football play and he made it good because he's enormously talented but holding the ball with one hand inviting sacks being locked in on his first read, not moving his feet. This has been here from the beginning. 
you know, you go to the, the, the Trey Flowers interception in the fourth quarter. Carson's mm-hmm. looking at he's at an empty set. He thinks he's got cover two. Cover two. Yep. Flowers initially stems like he's got cover two. Carson's sitting on his first read. He wants to honey hold Jordan Matthews for 15 yards between the safety and the corner. Flowers does a nice job flipping his hips, gaining up field. So it's cover two sink. He's not playing the flat because they know there's going to be no threat to the flat. Right. They're allowing Flowers to sink underneath that route. Carson still throws it. It's intercepted. The one Miles Sanders, like, oh, Miles Sanders is over on the swing route. Carson wanted to go beyond the sticks. Want to know why Carson wanted to go beyond the sticks? Because the Eagles are constantly handing the football off behind the line of scrimmage on third down, and they don't pick it up. More on that later. Yeah. But anyway, so Carson tries to go behind the, uh, beyond the sticks, and man coverage ends up getting sacked because four-man pressure gets there immediately, right? Could he have taken Sanders? Sure, but he doesn't because he's trying to get the ball down the field. So what? if you want to be concerned about Carson Wentz long-term, which I think I'm six more games of this away from getting concerned about Carson Wentz long-term. Just for a perspective on where I am. Yeah, I have probably a sunnier long-term 2020-2021 outlook than I think a lot of people would have right now, as as concerned as I am, and for good reason, about the rest of this season. If If this is the context, if wide receiver one is out, wide receiver two is out, wide receiver three is out, right tackle is out, right guard is out, running back one is out, if that's the context under which you want to evaluate Carson Wentz. If you think the dude coordinating his offense should be fired, which many of you do, (laughs) if this is the context in which you want to project Carson Wentz forward for the rest of his career, go for it. I'll use a different one, and I'll be more accurate than you. Carson Wentz played badly. You can go and find other games in which Carson Wentz played badly and with a starting quarterback played badly. And the supporting cast and the, the defense was enough around him such that they won the football game. Such that probably made the quarterback look better than he was. Supporting cast is definitely not doing that for right. this team at all. I would challenge you <laughs> to find a game in which wide receiver one, two, and three were out. Running back one was out. Right tackle and right guard were out. And the quarterback elevated his team. And we've talked about how much I hate that phrase. Yeah, me too. Elevated his team such to the point where they won. Like... Somebody find out on Pro Football Reference for me. Because, and this goes back to calibrating expectations we talked about last week. Teams missing 6 out of 10 non-QB starters typically lose. (laughs) At the very least, are really bad on offense. You had a whole bye week. You didn't realize that guys were going to be out. You had this entire week, and 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 it looked to me. So it's either that they were caught by surprise that Alshon wasn't going to play, I mean, Doug is out here saying he expects Nelly to play. Neither of them play. Was the game plan that bad because they expected those two to play? Or is the game plan that bad, period? They came out in the second half and went back to concepts that have worked for them historically. And Mike, get this, they ran the ball better. They didn't have a guy playing right, right. tackle, hasn't played right tackle since he was 14. Which, oh, Dillard was so bad at right tackle. Oh my gosh. He was which, awful. Like, <laughs> which like, yes, like I would prefer Dillard to play over Vitae at right tackle. But I didn't think Dillard was going to be that bad at right tackle. And I feel like you should have been able to tell in the weeks of practice that he wasn't going to be good at right tackle. But Dillard, I mean, he just continues to be bad against bull rushes. That translated over from the left side. It was just worse because he was on the right side. And then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who is not typically taking jet motion, never did it in college, doesn't do it much at the NFL level because he doesn't get played runs into him on jet motion, trips him, Rasheem Green kills him, and then Carson sees Rasheem Green on the floor. Charles Davis is like, I don't even think he saw him. Meanwhile, Carson like stepped around him. Yeah. Right. Unbelievable. Carson decides to drop the ball in one hand while Rasheem Green is on the floor. Hey, brother. 
They get some semblance of a drive going. <laughs> Wentz starts to get into a flow, which is big for him. Like, you know, and I'm not saying he was balling out or anything right. like that, but when you're a quarterback that's in a mental rut like that, small wins start to pile up and you can get out of that. And that's what was happening. And then on third on the and drive, short, Wentz was five for seven, 31 yards. Right. He had com- converted on a third and eight and a third and two, though I didn't ha- I didn't like the third and two play call at all. The shovel. on that in a second. And then they run a play where, like, he sprints out to hand off to Sanders. Vitae don't know what he's doing. They had just moved around the offensive line again where Matt Pryor and Vitae were starting on the right side because Brooks was out. You run a concept you've never run before on third and street. That's when you decide to get cute. So from a wide alignment, wider than usual from shotgun, Miles Sanders initially takes that hard step outside. And Big V initially pass sets. And so it's going to look to that side of the formation like Sanders about to go on the wheel route. And then all of a sudden Sanders hits the brakes. He turns back up into the, the into the tackle box. Carson puts the ball on his belly and he sprints upfield vertically for a third and three, third and three conversion. It's a play you've never ran before. Mm-hmm. It's behind and conditional on the success of your third string slash second string right tackle. And it's your rookie running back. It doesn't work. Right. And the question is is that that's begged is what about the no huddle quick passing attack that had got you here were you suddenly worried about? There are two things that drive me nuts about Doug. And again, we've been here for years. One, plays behind the line of scrimmage on third down. And then two, designs on the screen great game drive me up the wall and people don't agree with me on this i know that you don't feel strong about this as i do but like they did they try to do another one of the like play action miles sanders dallas goddard screen passes where as long as the linebacker doesn't you know go running away he's gonna accidentally end up exactly where the play is uh-huh. play action to a screen pass that's not to the running back makes no sense you just asked defenders to stay in the box to run a screen pass at them i want to finish my carson wentz point yeah because you didn't let me finish it. you made me start talking about the offensive line go for it if you want to make a convincing case that Carson Wentz has concerns long-term from being a successful starting quarterback in the NFL. You should point to pocket presence. You should point to ball security. You should point to first-read reliance. And I don't think you have a great case with first-read reliance. A lot of that has to do with scheme, I think, right yeah, now. Yeah, a lot of but... that has to do with the way that they, they want to do everything pre-snap. Yeah. And you could say, oh, well, that indicates they don't trust Carson post-snap. And I can't mm. prove you're wrong. I don't mm. agree with you, but I can't prove you wrong. Right, right, right. What I'm saying is, like, I am at the point with Carson now where I want to help his detractors actually make good arguments to, you know, slander him so that this is no longer exhausting and painful. I've been trying to do it all week and I feel your pain. Because a lot of the the conversation, or at least a lot of the major takeaways, are correct. They're arriving there at that conclusion with weird evidence and the process is just odd. I'm sorry, go ahead. But to just be like... You asked me to stop slamming the table, and I slammed the table there. And Mike, that's on me, and I will clap instead. Or Carson played really bad football. Fortunately, he's a good quarterback. Doug didn't call a great game. Fortunately, he's a good head coach. And if you disagree, you've got a smattering of games here and there against the body of work that they've put together for three and a half seasons. So you lose. I mean, DK drops a sure touchdown on a blitz where Darby gets beat on a post. Shocker. Another one, Wilson sails one that's wide open in the end zone. That's also early in the game. Later, DK just isn't 
collect one on a diving third and 11 right. catch where he burns Jalen Mills' middle. best plays in this game were DK Metcalf dropping the football. Jalen Mills flexing after DK Metcalf dropping the ball. And I'm, I'm not even being sarcastic here. It's like my favorite thing about Jalen Mills. There is nothing you can do to this guy to shake his confidence. And I and I know that's like like a like a bit with him. Like he's confident no matter what, and he's always gonna celebrate no matter what happened. He got beat a bunch of times in this game, man. And he got bailed out on a couple of them. I thought he was bad. I thought it was a bad performance. And I think the people that are arguing for him to be extended, if they think he's a long term answer at starting outside cornerback, I think they are high. This could have been a lot worse on the defensive side of the ball than it looked. What went well? Defensive line played well. Yeah. I think they did They did a successful job winning on a lot of the interior blocks. I think they bottled up the run game generally pretty nicely. That Rashad Penny touchdown, I mean, they, they trapped Fletcher Cox, which is the formula for getting explosive runs on Philadelphia. Nate Gary and Nigel Bradham eat it alive, and yep. then Ronnie McLeod isn't there for the uh, for the fill. And uh, successfully Phil. If anybody in the world expected Darby to make that tackle, well, Lord, I got another thing coming for you. You got to watch some uh, watch some Ronald Darby. He thought he was going to tackle anybody in the open field. Uh, this is from Brandon Lee Gowton. Carson Wentz says Eagles fans have every right to boo him. I would agree. I'm pro-booing. Tariq Cohen of the Bears had a whole like, we won. Why are you guys booing thing when they beat the Giants today? And I was like, brother. <laughs> well, I, it's the least offensive thing you can do. You're just making a guttural sound. Who cares? It, like, I, There's just nothing I love more than Eagles fans being like, yeah. Or Eagles players being like, yeah. Like we they get were it. bad at this. Yeah. So... We should be booed. Chris Clark at Mr. Underscore Clark 14 says, shorts for HC. Shorts for head coach? <laughs> I had to read that one. That is a spicy meatball. Ben, it's not going to be three words, but get us out of here. I think I've had enough. Take us out. <laughs> take take us home is my three words. The Eagles lose to the Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks. There you go. You should use all the letters in the word. <laughs> 17 to 9. This is their second straight loss. Five and six. One and a half games out of the lead of the division as we're currently looking at it. Uh, Cowboys Patriots results pending. Rough game for Carson Wentz. Rough game for the offense. Rough game for the coaching staff. Interesting game for the defense. As I said, a get-right game hopefully on the horizon. The 1st of December, the Miami Dolphins in Miami. Thank you so much for listening to the show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. As always, if you enjoy, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to the podcasts. It wasn't a fun episode. They haven't been fun episodes recently, and there's definitely going to be one more not fun one coming up. That is the All-22 Review of the Eagles and the Seahawks film as that comes out. Keep an eye out for it late on Tuesday, early on Wednesday. Then we turn our eyes to the fish tank down in Miami. I'm going to say me the head coach, Brian Flores. Brian Flores is Miami Dolphins. I like Uh, him. Yep, I do too. Just dropped one to the Browns. They are now 2-9 and on the year. Been feistier as of late, but still a team the Eagles should be able to beat. We'll get you primed for that matchup with two preview shows. One offense, one defense. One offense, defense, one defense, one offense. He's been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. I've been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Thank you so much for watching. We will catch listening. You don't watch podcasts. You listen to them. We will catch you later this week. One last note before we get out of here. I just saw Jimmy Kemsky tweeted out that Wentz left the locker room, right hand heavily wrapped. Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Doc says lack of wrap on hand or thumb doubt significant injury. So some news there, but... So 100%, he's just pulling an Aguilar after the Patriots game, but that's fine. I didn't hate it when Aggie did it. I don't hate it when Carson did it. (laughs) We all we got. Listen, Doug should be walking out there with a cane right now. We
We all we yeah, need. Yeah, no, I turned my ankle on the sideline. Fly, Eagles, fly. P-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 